all right, we got a couple word recommendations from the Zoom crew here. Mouth hole. <laughs> that was a look of bewilderment on your face. You had to be here for the beginning of the conversation, but I liked seeing the the confusion there. Arise, interloper, bark, apocalyptic cowboys, logic, stretch. Any of these words doing anything for you? We're going to keep going. We could just start talking and find the word as it arises. <laughs> what was the one? Space cowboy? Apocalyptic cowboys. Oh, apocalyptic cowboy. Maybe, maybe that one. That could be the. That could be the word. Apocalyptic cowboys. It just okay, gives so me a lot that to be, work with. I think they. I think that was in reference in some way to my bandana. Oh. Which is related to. The apocalypse that we're all experiencing right now. Maybe apocalypse well, is a heavy word. <laughs> I think it's a pretty accurate word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it just basically means revealing. Mm. <clears throat> like the revealing. Like that's what apocalypse means. Oh, come on now. See, now we got somewhere yeah. to go. Talk to me about this. Yeah. About a revealing, revealing of what? What are we well, revealing right now? I think um, I think life has these cycles in which things are concealed but then things are ultimately revealed meaning like my mom used to always have this saying she's like the truth is going to win out one day like if we don't know right now we're going to eventually know the truth you know and i i kind of feel that way about life like everything has a way of utterly revealing and exposing itself whether it happens in the short term or the extreme long term we eventually find out what is true and what isn't true um so the apocalypse or the idea of the apocalypse ultimately is the great revealing like I think of it generally in the book of Revelation sense, uh, meaning, you know, here's every empire through human history goes through a time of concealing mm. and ultimately those things which are concealed become revealed. And the, the book of Revelation is basically a story about or like an apocalyptic piece of literature about kind of a, a great revealing of evil. And, you know, evil is running this course and it gets to a place where it's so much, where it's, there's too much evil that it starts to collapse upon, like in on itself. And so, but usually with every revealing or every ending or grand ending, because that's what we, that's what we usually think of when we think of apocalypse is like some grand ending. There's always a, a new beginning. There's always a new slate, a new starting point or, um, yeah. And I think nations are like that. Nations rise and fall. Um, and it feels big and it feels world consuming and it feels like the end of the world. Um, but even what feels like the end of the world is always a new beginning. So what is, let's, let's take a, an empire. Like when you talk about the, the period of concealing, let's, let's say like the Roman empire, what, what did that look like? What was Rome concealing? Well, from my off the top of my head, I would have to do a little bit more research maybe to get uh, you some more specifics. Um, but I think it's what is any political empire concealing? Usually its own corruption or usually, you know, something they think the people can't handle. And so empires, if they're not honest, if they're not transparent, if they're not accountable to the people, they ultimately conceal their own, you know, best interest, self-interest. 
<clears throat> and then it gets to the point where those those self-interests begin to compile and compile and compound. And it becomes a weight that becomes too heavy. And ultimately, it must be revealed, um, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think in the Roman Empire, it was it was their own political corruption. Um, also, I mean, the level to which they were backstabbing each other, <laughs> you know, and, and the lies and the deceit and the like the, the thirst for power. Um, ultimately that had to get revealed. Hmm. Do you think it was the story of the whole time or do you think it goes, do you think it starts there or that power ends up corrupting it itself? Um, I think, I think power does end up, I mean, that's a, that's a hard thing because we haven't seen the end of human history. So I think there's this tension of, we know there's a pattern, which means that, human beings who attain any type of power without any accountability or, or without major accountability, there might be some, but maybe it's not enough. Um, that power becomes corrupt almost always, whether it's religious power, yeah. whether it's political power, uh, any of that, like I do believe power corrupts. Now I do think there's an invitation for us to, to break out of those types of hierarchical power systems, even inside of, the Christian text, like it seems like religion at its best is always calling us into um, reimagining the world in a way that we just can't imagine it because all we've ever seen is power corrupt. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a generation that's coming that will ultimately learn the lessons of history and, and, and know how to organize and structure society in a way to which power is distributed and, and, you know, we don't have any type of fascist or tyrannical leaders, you know, that, that use our fear in order to justify its own, you know, lust for power. Hmm. I don't think I believe in democracy anymore. You don't? I think you, we've, what you get with democracy is YouTube comments and Donald <laughs> Trump as president and, uh, idiocracy. Sure. I don't I think know what the alternative is. I don't know. Like, it's not like tyrannical rule <laughs> is better. Um, but I don't know. I don't feel like I think I don't see a, like a clean. <sighs> Maybe I think democracy was great for like for a bit. Right now, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit of a what am I? An anarchist or something? I don't. I don't know what I am. I, you probably are, would line be a little bit more of an anarchist. <laughs> um, no, I. You're you're right in one sense because democracy doesn't work without an educated populace, right? Because then ultimately the the superstitions of the people become you know the rule of the day, right? Yeah. Rather than you know, and also you got to. I mean, democracy is also built off of the Enlightenment you know, period, yeah. which had some good and some bad things, right? Yeah. Like, but also the idea that reason and logic, you know, should be the foundation for which we <laughs> you know, operate. It seems like people these days have uh, become gladfully irrational. And, uh, yeah. you know, and there's, there's a lot of, to me, movements to this day that really like reek of that, um, to that type of irrationality. Um, and we are, as humans, we're all irrational, but I think it reaches to a point where the irrationality then begins to want to undermine things like empiricism, you know, or well, even like, yeah, and those yeah, that's types the of thing, things. At least there was like, what's strange about what's happening now is the democracy, the power of like the press 
or the power, like there were some things about within the modern age um, that there were still power structures that kind of like limited the idiocracy checks and balances. thing. Yeah, checks and balances. And now those, the press doesn't have nearly as much power because everybody's its own press. Everybody yeah, can, everyone's, mm-hmm. um, you're absolutely right. And and information is is just up for grabs. Like taking information and making that completely democratic while we keep everything else in this weird republic. It's just, it's a strange kind of like part of the system has imploded on itself. And so the rest of it's like toppling, <laughs> toppling over. Yeah. As it, it, is it imploded or has it been purposely destroyed? And I, I think there's been some very intentional sabotage that has happened to our democratic institutions and norms. Um, and even even some of our media institutions like those are those are very direct. Uh, I mean, if you want to ultimately change something to bend to your will, then one of the things you're going to do is, you know, you're going to enact, you know, media sabotage, you know, on um, on institutions and people that uh, you don't agree with. Like, I, I think one of the greatest lies that we have somehow believed in the last decade or so is that. Uh, the idea that mainstream media, so to speak, or like vetted sources are somehow inherently liberal. Anybody that's ever worked in media knows that media is always driven by money. (laughs) And that doesn't care where you are on the ideological spectrum. Like media has, because it's profit driven, media's main concern is is not liberalism or conservatism, it's money and who's putting them, you know? And so, but what that lie has done to say, well, therefore mainstream media is inherently liberal, so therefore we don't listen to that. I think what that has done more or less is that is a unique tactic being used to discredit Sources that we typically viewed as verifying information and to believe alternative sources that, you know, we want people to believe. So that would be an intentional act of destruction to say, you know, let's let's craft a lie and, you know, we'll call ourselves fair and balanced and we'll call those people like innately corrupt, even though there can be no uh, very little evidence towards that. So I think. We live in a day and age where everyone, you know, each team or each groups of people are calling, everyone's calling each other corrupt, but no one is using any set of, you know, of verifiable evidence to say, well, what is corrupt? What is appropriate? What is inappropriate? And, you know, every other day there's some political scandal and most people just don't even know what to think of any of it because they're just like, well, what's the measuring rod anymore? What's an actual scandal? You know, if everyone's discrediting everyone's sources, then... Truthfully, you're right. Democracy in that way, democracy does implode on itself. But that implosion is coming from direct acts of sabotage, especially into the the ecosystem. Mm. I'm causing not, people I'm a to distrust. Less, I, uh, it, that almost reminds me of our conspiracy theory conversation. Where was that? Maybe it was Jamie that had that. Um, I just have a lower view of individuals, <laughs> as far as like. I think most of us are just like trying to get by the day. Um, and I think the nefarious things happen, they kind of emerge, they tend to emerge in groups um, less mindfully and more just like everybody's trying to cover their own ass and trying to like uh, not get fired, not have the, you know, not lose patrons, not whatever the thing is. Um, everyone's just trying to like be safe and like, oh, follow what our my, peop- my friends say I should do. And, and yeah. the things that we call evil... I think we're more like, uh, uh, it's hard for me to, I don't think most of us have the ability to like, or the desire 
to cook up nefarious schemes and and implement them as much as people just kind of like fall no. asleep at the wheel. You're you're absolutely right. The majority of of Americans are so burdened down because of their own lives, the weight of their own lives, interpersonal conflicts. But let alone like, I mean, let's put this all back in context. We are living in one of the greatest ages of income inequality in this country right now. And that gap is only widening and widening. So if you work 40 hours a week, you can't bring home enough money to pay all your bills. But that used to be the case, you know, well, if you were white, that used to be the case, you know, 60 years ago. Like you could work 40 hours a week as a single mom and and make enough to live okay. And so I think that's also part of the sabotage is to mm. get people so bogged down. And actually, I mean, you see this. You know, you see this in the narrative of Exodus in terms of the children of Israel, you know, building bricks like and the the slavery they were in, you know, the economic slavery of getting them to produce, produce for Pharaoh. Right. It's its own form of capitalism. It says produce for me. Don't work. You know, and you're so bogged down, you can't even think of your own liberation and freedom. You can't even, you know, you don't have the time to verify what is true, what is not true, like you're saying. So I think the majority of people are just, you know, because they're overwhelmed, they're just siding with whoever is saying uh, whatever. But um, that still doesn't take away from the fact that there are very much bad faith actors inside of um, whether it's government, whether it's media institutions, um, who are very much setting the stage for folks to believe certain narratives that may or may not be true. And and that is in, those are intentional acts of sabotage. And then when we collectively don't call that out, Ultimately, we then become complicit in it. Um, all of us do, mm. because we we allowed it to flourish. Especially because democracy, right, is citizen participation. So we are the checks. The people are the major checks to all of this. Not just media, not just government. The people, we the people, are the checks. And if we are too bogged down uh, from the weight of our lives that we're unable to check those in power, then then we've lost. Um, Jacob says we need Sorishan, a randomly selected legislator like jury duty made up of random citizens. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. Um, Why? That sounds exciting. Well, it's probably a disaster, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you'd, yeah. Avoid some of the, you'd avoid some of the power dynamic of like, or the pow- like if people aren't... Anybody that wants to be president, come on. You're already dealing with like an overblown narcissist. Everyone's like, no, that that <laughs> position, that's for me. Like, who's crazy <laughs> enough to want that job? I like, I'm the leader. I can lead all of us. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's got to be some level of like uh, of that. But you know, in one sense, what's strange about it, if you have a this is where I think political careers are actually valuable and important. Like if I'm sick and I want to go, you know, I need a, a surgery. I want someone who's trained in that surgery yeah, to do it. And so the thing about like the constitution, I don't want my neighbor is, as the president. Yeah. I don't want my neighbor. No, like, as the president. He's not going to be a good president. <laughs> no, no, no matter how kind or compassionate they might be on a personal level, yeah. it doesn't mean they'll have the, you know, the tool set in which to govern, to lead. And so the Constitution at the end of the day is a legal document, which means I want somebody that's that's decently at be- at worst, decently, if not absolutely trained in the law, because I need that's actually a skill set yeah. that is that is brought to like understanding what is legal, what is not, what is in like like, and, like Donald Trump's been so well trained in the law. 
Exactly. So it's like when you call out his corruption, it's just so easy. It's not even like a you don't have to search for it because it's like this man doesn't even realize half the time when he's breaking the law because he's never had to live by the law. You know, even before he became president, you know, he was so wealthy that he was able to make the laws as he he went and very few people checked him at all. So we could, maybe we should, what if we could add some like qualifications? See, I wish, I wish there were like either qualifications for our leaders so that the, that the, like, um, the politics can't, run things so heavily that there has to be some sort of like basic i don't know what those qualifications would be and that a limit of their ability to campaign somehow like it's not the fact that it becomes just a personality and a, a, a popularity contest and like the taller guy always wins it's just like yeah you know there should be See, something the thing is I don't know if they, there can be those kind of safeguards. Here's why. Because, again, the checks and the responsibility are on the educated populace. The educated populace has to determine and decide um, who among them, right? That would be a true democracy. Otherwise, then when you put those kind of qualifications, you know, the only one we really have, I think, is age and being, an, a, you know, a U.S.-born citizen, which I think is as loose as it probably does need to be. But... I think rather than trying to create a rule system that therefore only now an elite class can therefore become, you know, ascend to the presidency. Mm. I think I think you have to put the pressure back on the the, the educated masses to or the uneducated masses <laughs> to to um, to find a common framework that we can all share reality in. Because up until recently, up until the last seven years, there was people had different experiences, but we had a, we had a common framework for how to relate to each other, you know, but I think the social contract just got broken on a number of levels. And, and you can make that argument on the left and the right in terms of what was broken that allowed that pretty much made people decide, yeah, I don't trust my countrymen. And actually I don't trust my countrymen to the point where I would rather trust a foreign government's opinion on us, you know, and for the right, that's generally been like, Russian propaganda, like I would rather trust, you know, what Vladimir Putin thinks, you know, than liberals, right? Like, or, you know, um, for some liberals, it could be, you know, I trust what Angela Merkel in uh, uh, Germany thinks or Justin Trudeau thinks more than I trust conservatives in the GOP. Now, granted, there, there's not an equivalency there, because obviously, one of those governments was engaged in foreign interference, that was Russia. Um, so that becomes a whole different story of like, how is it that we have 40% of the country that would rather trust the word of Vladimir Putin and, and our alliance with him over the other part of the country? <laughs> like, that's a real tenuous, like, strenuous situation. And until we can get back to a common framework across political ideologies, um, I think it's just going to be all out political melee and war. Like, that's, I don't have hope for that even if you know joe biden wins in november it's still going to be political melee and war um because those people don't go away apocalyptic cowboys <laughs> so eric says in a in a fantastic comment eric what about the fact that a country is just a mass delusion enforced by the threat of violence it's a story believed by millions of people but that doesn't make it real what would a non-dual nation look like and uh, that's a funny comment. I don't think, I don't know that you can have a non-dual nation, but it, that comment does make me think, what about if 
if you we like I would be I would be up for like a supreme queen or king of the earth <laughs> if we just find the best person that's alive. <laughs> but that's Okay, but you you know who you sound like. Sure. So like we have to have a really good test of what is it who is the best like meaning we look at their lives they are not they're living for the good of other people. They are not uh interested in this job that's first first thing <laughs> they don't want to be this position they are living a life of love and service they're brilliant they have like whoever's like you i'm sorry you have to for the next three years rule the entire earth <laughs> <laughs> again doesn't mean they'll be good at it no but we, that's what we're looking for who's going to be the best at this yeah, but also to what you're talking, you're the, that's the same argument that conservative Christians make. They believe that the best form of government is a compassionate monarchy, and they run their megachurches like that too. Ooh. Like it's the it's a what you're talking about is a compassionate monarchy. But you know, ask yeah. ask the people of Cuba when Fidel Castro was was coming up, because Fidel was like the Bernie Sanders. He was like, I'm going to liberate the people. Like they they put him in power. They joined the revolution. He was he seemed to I don't care want about Bernie the Sanders poor. as king of the world. Well, Bernie I'm just Sanders saying, like, I'm making president. the comparison between, like, you know, a lot of Cubans uh, in, in South Florida were very, uh, for them, he felt like, he felt like Fidel Castro them, because he came in with the promise of, I'm for the people, I'm part of the revolution, like, I'm going to lead compassionately. And then he, he, once he got into power, he became a brutal dictator, um, who did some good things, like, you know, they have better literacy rates in Cuba than we do. You know, like they have great education, but you know what? It's a dictatorship. And if you, you, that's why Cubans have been fleeing Cuba because if you dissent, you, you die. So in that way, like, even if you, that example you used were to work, putting someone in that position of absolute power doesn't necessarily mean that they will lead with the life of love and service and compassion they've done before, because that's a whole new different ball game. Yeah. Um, and then how do you kick you them that? out when they get corrupted? Well, again, who? Who's going to kick them out? Is it the military? Is it, you know, like... Uh, do, well, why uh, does the, the world the need a military if we're... What, you, know? you know, that's a great question. Some would argue, you know, I think that's the bigger question of is, is war ever just? Like, is there such a thing as just war? Maybe it is, maybe there, there isn't. Well, but if there's, um, no go- if there's no countries anymore, we're just playing with this idea. There's no countries, so who's the... I mean, the problem is there There would be people that would create factions and be like, hey, we're going to rise up and they don't have a military. Let's take over. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. 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 Like, uh, and also, too, it's the administrating of resources. That's what government is supposed to do. Like, administrating of resources in place. Like, there are some countries, like when the Syrian refugee crisis happened, what that did to the administrative structure of, of Europe was pretty devastating because it's like, do we have enough food and water? Like, you know, and then if we give this all right now to a million people just showed up on our doorstep, we don't have enough for us. And so there's there's real questions around like land and water. And I mean, we're, we're seeing already those questions, you know, with countries that have run out of water, like Brazil's run out of water, um, like we we will have the water crisis and water rights will be the biggest fight over the next 50 years um, for all of us, not just third world countries or second world countries. Like, So we've got to figure out a better way to do government. Otherwise, we, we're looking at a type of global collapse with some of our current systems. Not to be an alarmist, but like between climate change and, and food crisis, water crisis, housing <laughs> crisis, 
Those are like th- those are, pre- but those are all administrative problems that need administrative yeah. solutions to them. Um, pr- more than you, you, you know, you partisan. Can, are you going to run for stuff. office at some point, William? You really, you really care about this stuff. I, I just thank you. I care as a human being. I don't care as somebody that wants political office um, at all. But maybe I, that's I just, why you're actually suited for it. <laughs> maybe. I just, I just think. I, I just know that that we can live in a world that's full of equity and justice, and 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 I think government can be a good thing that helps people when it when it sets that intention and holds itself accountable to that intention and that intention alone. Um, and so maybe I think ultimately that just makes me a good political strategist. And so I'd, I'd much rather be a political strategist and, or maybe a pundit than ever be uh, probably a candidate because you got to love the people. And listen, I hate some of y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> I just people suck. <laughs> I like no that's, people. Are that's great. why I, that's why I have faith, because faith reminds me that God Ooh. loves all people, even when I think they suck. Um, A.I. Somebody brought in AI. See, now you're talking. I'll give Who it owns all the to AI. AI. Um, I don't know, but I do love people though. I think people are fucking great. I didn't use no, they're not. Much. They are no, amazing. Not. People are fantastic. I mean, they can be, but that doesn't inherently mean that's all they are. <laughs> like, and oftentimes, <clears throat> you know, you have people who've just given themselves over to you know to their to their. Bad behavior. That's the best way to call it. Just there. You have people out here who just are just given over to bad behavior and just don't care. And I'm like, this is again, this is why I'm a Christian, because I believe that those people do have irredeemable value and worth. And I have to be reminded of that, especially while they're they're doing a lot of bad stuff. (laughs) But Um, what is the bad? What are the bad? Like when you get to the heart of the bad things, that's what I was talking about before. Like when you, you somebody... Uh, my brother sent me a video today that he took on the streets of New York of like this fight breaking out. And it's just like, you see these people like, and they're running at each other and they're like, punt these three guys, throw this guy to the ground or kicking him. My brother like sent me cell phone footage of this today. Um, and it looks like, Oh God, humans, they're horrible. But what's, go- I mean, we don't know what's going on in there. Somebody, they probably felt, um, attacked on some level, they finally fe- they felt like they had to defend the people they love. They had to defend their own bodies or whatever, and it got elevated and emotions kicked in, and now three sure. people are kicking. So at the heart of it all, people are just they're just trying to be okay. They're just and that's the and that's the part that I believe gets redeemed back to God. <clears throat> like I believe you know all all creatures, all souls, ultimately get redeemed back to God, and and that's the part the intention that God had, you know, put inside of every single human being, um, in terms of the essence of who they are, that, that part of them, that is good. But I, d- I don't think that, um, you know, no matter what our pasts are, um, and, and how we got to where we got, um, you can relate and understand, but also, uh, still categorically calls, you know, certain things evil and, and say, Hey, that behavior is evil, no matter what drove you here or got you here. And actually you need to stop that right now. And I, sometimes depending on the situation, you don't, there is no time. Like when it's, if we're talking about like, you know, the murder of, you know, Ahmad Asbury, um, I, I don't have time in a moment to try to rationalize why these, you know, two white men decided to get, to kill a black man jogging, you know, like that. It's just, Hey, stop what you're doing right now. Hey, what, 
you know, like there, there's an urgency to it. And I think sometimes certain evil acts um, deserve that type of decisive attention to it. Again, that doesn't say that they are less human or subhuman, but it, it also um, it also says, hey, those people don't deserve to be be walking free, you know, and in the case for Ahmad's mother, it's like, hey, they deserve the death penalty. And I'm not even going to say what I think about that, but as much, but, you know, I think in light of our history, she has every right to declare that and want that and say that. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, to me, that's all, that's all part of it. Our reaction to it, our, our rage over it, people's wanting blood as a result of it. That's all still part of everybody trying to be okay. Sure. Um, you know, if I was king of the world... Oh gosh. You're talking about God in there. I was thinking one of my first edicts <laughs> would be we 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 call we we're renaming God Gord. So you would instantly push you know, everyone into religious <laughs> tyranny. I just want everybody to change one aspect of what they call God because then we have to realize it's a word. If you just like have to change one letter, you're like but it's not God. It's not Gord. It's God. But everybody, <laughs> see, everybody would miss the point because then all they Don't would elect assume me as king of the world, though, that'd be a bad mistake. Everyone would then assume that you're pushing them into a false religion and a religious tyranny. They wouldn't even get the point you're trying to make, right? They and if you even said the point you're trying to make, they would be like lies. He's just trying to force us to worship, worship his false god, and then the people would rise up and you'd be dethroned. <laughs> I know. I know that's why you shouldn't vote, but do you see what it would do? Like if everybody had to change their language, be like, but no, but seriously, Gord has a plan for your life. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it reveals the absurdity of language of, of what, how we attach meaning to language as though God is a thing that's real as though anything that we say is what the thing is. It's just words. It's sounds that we're making that we're in reference to something. And we Again, get so attached to the actual words. What you're saying, but here's the context. You saying that in your position right now comes across as trying to liberate people, you know, from oppression. Mm. Uh, but in the context of you having ultimate political power, again, it just will, it will only it's ever be oppression. fascism and tyranny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> because of the context of the power, yeah. right? Like yeah, it shapes, true. it shapes everything. <clears throat> um, I mean, it was, it was mostly said to have a laugh. Oh yeah, I know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that is, that is funny. How do you, we're looking for some comments here. Oh, AI. We never got into AI though. What do you think about that? What do you think about giving, if we program, if we come up with a, a mutual, like we take the next decade or whatever, however long it's going to take to humanity to come up with it's like, here's what we want of our leadership. We want it to be, we have all the best minds being like, well, here's got to careful. Cause if you go this way and you say, we want just full equality, here's what would happen. Or if you said, you know, and then we're like, okay, we've got it. We've got our charter. Everyone's made their compromises. And then you, you mean like everybody's setting the, well, I, you know, AI is always going to be as racist as the people who make it. So, you know, there's, you know, I don't have faith that algorithms are going to save us because they won't, because the people that make them, their prejudices and biases will always 
carry into those. So, but we would have had people looking through that to make sure that it's not. Uh, hopefully, but you know what? They're not even doing that now. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like I'm you know, in this hypothetical, go- ridiculous scenario. Yeah. Uh, well, I it's funny because none of these to me are actually uh, hypothetical or just out there because mm. I think we we do need to be having conversations about what how to structure government. What does government look like? Um, you know, I think there's a real argument to be made that socialism is making around redistrib- redistributing wealth um, and that we need to lean into and take seriously. Um, I also think there's an AI conversation that we need to take seriously around economics um, and also as it relates to uh, race and class, because, you know, Google, who, you know, they're the king of algorithms right now, you know, they stopped doing diversity training and pretty much shut down all their diversity initiatives because they didn't want the appearance of being anti-conservative. So I'm like, oh, so the people who are building the algorithms on the search engines <laughs> are no longer getting diversity training or no longer uh Generally, I mean, it's a majority white field in general. So I'm like, oh, so this because you're afraid of being anti-conservative. <laughs> like, so now we've just erased, <laughs> you know, the black experience from this because. And so I think these are real to me. None of this feels theoretical. I'm like, these are all conversations we need to be having right now. Um, Praise. Oh. Whoa. Weird sounds. Praise Gord. I'm glad that Aaron got my uh, my joke. <sighs> I got um, I got your is, joke. <laughs> no, that was it was a reference to um, check it out. Praise Gord, J Bus, and it was real real inside real inside joke. It's a very, not a well known oh. show. What show? Um, it's called Check It Out. It's perfect if you're stoned. Oh. Unless you, unless you get like a little afraid because it does do these trippy, it's it's one of my favorite shows though. I don't even have to be stoned to enjoy it. Did you did you ever finish Midnight Gospel? Yes. Wasn't oh, that beautiful? Especially that God. last episode. So good. Yeah. I, I thought you'd love that. That first. Yeah, I forgot to tell you about. It. Yeah, you, I forgot to tell you that I watched it. Um, the first episode, I was laughing like almost nonstop. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I watched it a second time too. So funny. Is there yeah, any, I mean, those people haven't watched it. It's like they're having these conversations about very low key conversations about like meditation and mindfulness and stuff while there's like a zombie apocalypse going on. Yep. Oh my God. It's so funny. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's some beautiful episodes that just blew me away. And I, it, just the podcast format and in, into animation was really I don't know. It was really cool. Like propaganda saw it, and, and he said he was like, "This is the liturgist on, as a cartoon." <laughs> oh, that's. I was like, high, "Yeah, high that's, praise. That's beautiful." It, yeah, I just the type of conversation it was. Like I was like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "This is this is exactly what we've been doing." So, um, kudos to you oh. for leading the way on that because I mean, obviously Duncan Trussell did that, and, and he's in, incredible. But like, I don't know. I think that was, that show is a breakthrough um, for for a lot. That'd be fun. Sydney says Duncan Trussell should come on the show. That would be amazing. Yeah, actually, it would be, yeah, great to interview him and talk to him about um, the show saw, and how he created. I saw it. him at the the Ramdas retreat. He was there. There you go. Um. Well, how are you feeling? Anything else about apocalyptic cowboys? I mean, it, this was an interesting one because, like, I feel like we kind of became apocalyptic cowboys as we discussed how to structure the world. We didn't really talk directly about it. 
but that's kind of fun. Yeah, we yeah we did. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe not in great detail, but yeah, we I like, feel we're like we're pi- we're like in our minds we're pioneering this uncharted territory. Yeah, exactly, and that's you know boldly going where no man has gone before. Oh, you bring dun, in the tricky. <laughs> <laughs>